engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Why, hello there. It's Eric Erickson. News 95.5, AM 750, WSB, and com. Remember, you you are less than a week away this Thursday. We're, what, four days away. Thursday, we're going to go to Monday Night Brewing's garage location to grab a beer together, and you can buy a book. You can, you can go on and order one off Amazon or Barnes & Noble by texting the word WAKE to 444-999. You can get my new book. I'm actually going out uh, to L.A. on Friday. I will be on, I know, I know, Bill Maher's show on HBO. Friday night. Yep, James Carville and me together again. In any event, Thursday night at Monday Night Brewing's garage location. If you want to RSVP for it, and it is encouraged, it's not required, but it is encouraged, and I'll send you a reminder email um, but it, it really, it has more to do with getting the directions to the event because the the map directions are somewhat different from where the entrance is. So I'll give you the entrance directions. If you want to RSVP, come grab a beer Thursday night with me at Monday Night Bruins Garage location. I'll be broadcasting live. I will sign my book for you. You can buy it on site if you don't want to go on and order one. Uh, text the word beer to 345-345. Text the word beer to 345-345. And I will get you the RSVP information, all that good stuff, uh, so that you can show up Monday or show up Thursday night at Monday night and see me. Y'all, I want you to know I am not on the list of conservatives. Salon.com has published the list of conservatives that every liberal should read. And the thing they all have in common is an abiding hatred of President Trump. Uh, they, they don't say anything nice about the president uh, generally ever. And they're on the list, which means that they finally are willing to acknowledge that I have said some nice things about the president. And they also they don't like all that Jesus stuff I talk about. So I am not on the list. So I, I am one of those conservatives that the left wants you to not listen to. You keep that in mind moving forward. And Amazon, did you hear the story at the top of the news? Georgia is submitting a bid for Amazon. And what were one of the, there were two negative factors. Now, listen, I need to uh, need you to understand how this game is played. Reporters don't pull this stuff out of their backside. They don't. When they say there are two things that could prevent Georgia from getting Amazon's location, it is people who are interested in observers of and perhaps pushing to get Amazon that are telling the reporters these things. And what are the two things that could prevent Georgia from getting Amazon? One is the lack of a subway system. What is the other? Religious liberty legislation that we don't even have. The mere threat of Georgia passing a piece of legislation to allow Christians to run their businesses as Christians without the state interfering is something that could stop Amazon from coming here. The state, I've explained this before, let me explain it again real quick. The state wants to update its adoption laws and to update the adoption laws, they no longer want Christian organizations to be able to help adopt children in state care. Members of the legislature want to carve out a provision. Texas has done this already, saying you can be a Christian organization and only adopt kids 
into two-parent nuclear heterosexual households, and that's okay. You can still help place kids. But Georgia doesn't want to do that. They want to tell Christian organizations that they can no longer believe in the sanctity of marriage in a two-parent heterosexual nuclear household if they want to help the state adopt kids. And because there are members of the legislature fighting this, there are leaders in Georgia telling them they will prevent Amazon from coming here. Folks, I'm sorry. If we have to abandon our values in order to attract a company like Amazon to Georgia, let's send Amazon somewhere else. I'm okay with that. And besides, the traffic can't handle it. Randomly, I am about to post, well, I will during commercial break, I'm going to post a interview I did with John Ryder. John Ryder is a law professor at Vanderbilt. He's a lawyer in Memphis. He's the head of the Republican National Lawyers Association. Uh, deeply relevant to us here in Georgia. Eric Holder is coming to Georgia. And he wants to fight the Republicans' redistricting efforts. You know, when I was in law school, and it wasn't that long ago, it was uh, 2000, I graduated, 17 years ago I graduated, There, we learned a thing called the political doctrine, that courts stay out of political cases, that there are two branches of government that do politics, the third one does not, and on political issues, the, the courts stay out of it. And redistricting is one of those. As long as you're not discriminating based on race, the courts stay out of it. And the reason they stay out of it is because it is a partisan matter. You win elections. Well, the left now is livid because Republicans have been doing so well at redistricting, including here in Georgia. And so they filed a lawsuit. And they were easily able to get it into the hands of liberal judges and work their way up to the Supreme Court where the liberal justices on the Supreme Court desperately want to say partisan gerrymandering is unconstitutional. And the result would be that the courts will redraw district lines, which is contrary to everything in American history. You allow partisan judges who are not elected to draw the lines of the other branch of one of the other branches of government. That should be a separation of powers issue in addition to a political question issue. But the left has come up with a mathematical formula that they claim will actually solve the problem, and it won't. All it will do is result in proportional representation. So John Ryder is an expert on this. He's a Republican lawyer. And he is deeply concerned about what Eric Holder is attempting to do in Georgia in the redistricting fight. I talked to him about it. If you want to hear the conversation, uh, text the word SHOW to 444-999. That will send you back links to the Google Play or the iTunes podcast. Fascinating conversation with John Ryder as he breaks down this case. It's before the Supreme Court right now. Has huge implications for Georgia. Text the word SHOW to 444-999. Between that and, and all of this nonsense from the left on the Me Too stuff, have you seen that today? It's just the world has lost its mind. Liberals are encouraging, well, feminists, I repeat myself, are encouraging people to use the hashtag MeToo to acknowledge that they've been sexually harassed or assaulted. Now, part of the problem here is definitional because sexual harassment and sexual assault are not the same thing. And they're trying to, in word games, treat them as the same thing. 
and they're really not. And that doesn't mean one's good and one's bad. They're both bad, but they're different. You know who tweeted out Me Too as a hashtag? Monica Lewinsky. No, I'm not making that up. She really did. She tweeted out Me Too. And it's amazing the left is trying not to make eye contact with her tweet. They do not want to retweet Monica Lewinsky pointing out she was sexually assaulted. Nope, can't do that. No, no. Which again shows the, the, the screwed up logic of the left. There's an article out today that some people are upset that only Apple is making watches for women. I've got the new I, I've got the new Apple watch today. The one with cell service in it uh, came in today. Uh, very lightweight, by the way. I got the aluminum one. I've always gotten stainless steel. This one's much lighter. But um, anyway, feminists are upset that Apple is the only one making watches for women. Is this not a, a matter of liberal logic never quite aligns right? Because I thought men and women didn't matter. There was no difference. So why do we need watches for women if men and women are the same? But they don't see that consistency. Monica Lewinsky tweeting out Me Too that she was sexually assaulted. They can't make eye contact with that. Only liberals apparently can be harassed or assaulted. Dana, Dana Lash, who's on at night on this, on this station, who I filled in for before, she and her family are having to move because gun rights activists have been threatening her family, literally violently threatening her sons. They're having to move. She tweeted out, me too. They, they can't acknowledge that. It, it is an inconsistency on the left in so much of what they do. Gender and, and, and sex, they're different things. And, and one's, one, one's what you choose, but some people are born. That, none of it makes any sense when you actually... Write it out, but they take these things by faith. It is an inconsistent, at least Christianity is a consistent religion. Liberalism is not. It is a religion of mental illness. I am increasingly convinced of this because so much of it contradicts itself, not even at its core, but just superficially contradicts itself. Uh, and it, it would help if I actually got the wires right on this thing, wouldn't it? Now, let's do this as I go to commercial. Well, Maybe not. I think Andrew is going to have to play my sounders for me because they're broken. It's 26 after the hour. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. To the phones we go... David and Conyers, you're up first tonight. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How's it going today? Good. How are you? Listen, I, I understood that Al Michaels got in trouble on the, the football game last night for, for making a Harvey Weinstein joke. Yeah, more um, so than uh, any of the late-night comedians have made. Yeah, but now the thing that I find funny about that is we're, we're worried about being insistent to the victims. I mean, there's a whole class of women who are named Monica, whose name became a verb, and been the the just the butt of late night jokes and Saturday night and Saturday night live skits for the last twenty years. Oh, you're just puffing on a cigar, David. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. what, What's different now? I mean, because this this is not now a Republican and Democrat issue, right? Because Bill Clinton's been the butt of the jokes too. Well, this isn't political. See, yes, uh, this is the thing, though. Uh, 
Harvey Weinstein became inconvenient for the left while Bill Clinton is still convenient for them. Uh, I I find it laughable all these people say, well, Harvey Weinstein isn't president, so you shut your mouth, conservative. And my reply to every single one of them was, but Bill Clinton. Yep. I mean, again, there is no internal or even superficial consistency when it comes to liberal logic these days, there really isn't. Um, boys can become girls, girls can become boys, except it doesn't really matter because it, it's completely irrelevant. Boys and girls are the exact same thing. Um, you can't talk about Harvey Weinstein because you supported Donald Trump. Uh, pay no attention to us supporting Bill Clinton. On and on it goes. Liberal logic makes no sense whatsoever. And yet they want to build a framework for the country around liberal logic. It's crazy. When we come back, we need to get into what happened over the weekend at the Values Voters Summit. Um, Some people undermining the president thinking they're helping. It's 39 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson here on WSB and at theresurgent.com. President Trump spoke earlier today. Uh, He had Mitch McConnell with him. One of the things he said was this. I have a very good relationship, as you know, with Steve Bannon. Uh, Steve's been a friend of mine for a long time. I like Steve a lot. Steve is doing what Steve thinks is the right thing. Some of the people that he may be looking at, I'm going to see if we talk them out of that, because frankly, they're great people. Uh, What Mitch will tell you is that maybe with the exception of a few, and that is a very small few, I have a fantastic relationship with the people in the Senate and with the people in Congress. I mean, I have a with our House of Representatives. I have a great relationship with political people. If you read the papers, you think I'm like on one island and they're like on the other. Well, it's not the way it is. He couldn't remember any of their names. <laughs> so Bannon wants to target all the Republicans up for a re-election in 2018, except Ted Cruz. Um, and that's all well and good. Now, I'm not going to, to stop him. There are some of them I think need to be challenged, probably not as many as him. Then we'll see about the quality of candidates. That's one of the problems you get is you get a bunch of uh, garbage candidates running against these establishment guys and they get annihilated and you drain your coffers and the Democrats get elected. But Bannon he was at the Values Voters Summit this weekend and he and, and Sebastian Gorka did the president and really Gorka in particular did Christians no favors. Bannon said on stage that the president, by ending the insurance subsidy, uh, was going to drive up the costs of Obamacare for poor people to break the system. That is going to appear in campaign advertisements for Democrats around the country. And it misrepresents what actually happened as badly as CNN has been misrepresenting it. CNN has been running uh, chirons on on the bottom of their screen saying the president was getting rid of uh, insurance payments for poor people, which isn't really technically true. If you listen to the media coverage at CNN, MSNBC, and elsewhere, you would ignore a key point that federal courts have ruled the president of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama, had no power to authorize that payment. Because the power of the purse is with Congress. And Congress did not authorize such payments. It was a flaw in in Obamacare. Remember, they didn't read it before they passed it. 
So it was a flaw that the president tried to fix, and he didn't have the power under the Constitution to do it, and federal courts have said so. So all the president did by ending the subsidy was comply with court orders, and you wouldn't know that from the way the media has covered it. But when you have Bannon on stage saying, yes, the president did this to drive up the costs of insurance for poor people, it's going to wind up in advertisements for Democrats to be used against Republicans, to be used against the president, to further make the case for impeachment, frankly, if the Democrats take back Congress. It wasn't smart. But something even worse was said by Sebastian Gorka, and I need to set this one up for you a little bit. So Sebastian Gorka stood on stage at the Values Voter Summit, which is a group of Christians who participate in politics. I've spoken there several times. And he said that the left doesn't understand how much more capacity that the president has to damage them personally. That was his quote. In fact, let me let me make sure I don't want to be accused of misquoting him. His direct quote was the left has no idea how much more damage uh, we can do to them as private citizens. Uh, Now, I have a problem with him saying that. And the problem is, is a very simple one to understand, but I do believe that you need to understand it uh, for something that's coming. The left the has Here we no go. idea how much more damage we can do to them as private citizens, as people unfair. Yeah, the ABC wonky feed, but luckily there weren't, a, there wasn't rapturous applause to this. Because this is a Christian conference, and where is the grace in that statement? Where is the mercy in that statement? Where Where is the Christ in that statement? That the left doesn't understand, has no idea how much more damage we can do to them as private citizens. Here's why this is bad. Forget that it's just generally bad, uh, that at a Christian conference, someone is saying they have no idea how much damage we can do to them as private citizens. There's a great quote from a pastor. I tweeted it earlier today. In fact, let me, bear with me here, because I want to make sure that I get this quote right, because it is a, it should be in the language of Christians these days, you know, it should be a convicting quote, um, that part of our faith and part of our behavior comes from the idea Uh, that we know that uh, justice will be meted out. We have the patience to understand we're not the ones to do it. So we're not the ones who are to be damaging them. We're to wait. That's one of the whole points in Scripture. We're to wait. Someone else will take care of it for us later. We we don't have to destroy people's lives. We don't have to be worldly in that regard. Uh, And it's a real problem when we start doing that. But the bigger issue here is that there is a case before the United States Supreme Court right now where Christian bakers and florists are asking the Supreme Court to tolerate them, to allow them to provide goods and services to people of all stripes, including gay people, but to decline to provide goods and services to a religious ceremony. Anthony Kennedy was going to retire before this Supreme Court started, and multiple people who would know, who are in positions to know, tell me that he decided not to after the meltdown of this president over the summer. He decided he needed to stay. 
So here come people like Gorka to stage saying we're going to destroy the left. They don't understand how much power we have to damage them, to destroy them. And yet the Family Research Council who sponsored this event is one of the groups asking the Supreme Court to give Christians some measure of grace, to give Christians some measure of tolerance in how they run their lives and how they conduct their businesses. It doesn't help that that group allowed a man on stage to say we're going to destroy the left while at the same time it's asking the Supreme Court for tolerance of its own side. Now, they didn't know he was going to say it. I have tremendous respect for Tony Perkins, who runs FRC and for FRC. But Gorka did them no favors by saying this on stage because it can be turned around against them. Why should we grant these people tolerance when the FRC in particular is one of the leaders and this category of people says we want to destroy the left? Why should we give them tolerance? It hurts our cause when we do that, particularly when justice isn't supposed to come from us but from a final day and an almighty God. Hello there. We got about a minute left here, so I won't take any more phone calls right now. We'll do that when we come back. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Bo Bergdahl has pled guilty to a host of things, but doesn't want you to think he's a traitor. President Trump was asked about that earlier today. Do you believe that your comments in any way affected Bo Bergdahl's ability to receive a fair trial? And can you respond to his Well, I can't comment that- on Bo Bergdahl because he's, as you know, there. I guess he's doing something today, as we know, and he's also uh, uh, there setting up sentencing. So I'm not going to comment on him, but uh, I think people have heard my comments in the past. <laughs> Yeah, first of all, the, 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 he's pleading guilty. He's not on trial. And the reporter, thing, do you think you caused him not to get a fair trial? You would think that Bergdahl could get a bunch of hipsters in there and say, the president hates me, so you should let me go. Um, but he's not because he ran off to the Taliban. And remember all those Obama people saying he was a hero? They were awful quiet today. They were. It is 10 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to go off script here. Not that I have a script, but I Charlie has been encouraging me to sit down about an hour before the show and just outline all the stuff I've read and put it in some sort of more cohesive order, and I'm just going to completely go off script now. Uh, wasn't even on the list. Clearly, there is a conspiracy. They don't want me to talk about Amazon coming. Y'all, listen, it is great that our leaders are committed to creating jobs in the state of Georgia, but when you're having to throw our taxpayer dollars at a company in order to get that company to throw to, to create jobs in the state, you're, you're kind of offsetting the jobs that are going to be created. In some cases, you're paying them with ta- taxpayer dollars uh, so much money that you create a negative tax rate. You are paying Amazon as opposed to Amazon bringing in new jobs that then create a new source of revenue and a new source of taxpayers. And why don't, has anybody ever looked at Seattle? 
because they want to bring Amazon to downtown or the suburban areas, the, the gulch area, they call it. Everybody's got a gulch. Nashville, I was there this weekend. They have a gulch. It's the trendy hipster area. And in Atlanta, it's the intersection of railways and, and collapsed buildings downtown over by the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium area that, that's ripe for revitalization if you listen to the people or, or down by the, the Turner Field, now the football stadium for Georgia State. What happens when they come in, or any business like this, but particularly Amazon, given what they're saying, is one, you're totally going to change the character of the city, which means you're going to bring in a bunch of atheist, hipster liberals who don't share your values. They're going to be imported from out of state, so good luck Republicans ever winning again. That's number one. But beyond that issue, number two, what happens to black families who have refused to abandon Atlanta for the suburbs. They have not participated in what was once white flight and became middle-class flight. They stayed downtown. They've seen their their neighborhoods gentrify, and there's nothing wrong with gentrification. It's made out to be a bad thing, but what it actually is is, is gentrification is a snotty way of saying the neighborhoods are reintegrated. But they are reintegrated, and the property values have gone up because of that reintegration. But what you soon find happen in places like Seattle and elsewhere is that the property values skyrocket. Rents skyrocket. Home values skyrocket. And many of these people can no longer afford their property taxes. And so what had been gentrification or reintegration of neighborhoods suddenly becomes a bunch of all-white hipsters throwing the black citizens out. Dive bar, barbs, bars, small businesses, mom and pop shops, they're gone. They can't afford the rents anymore. They all leave. And, you know, I'm not making this up. There's a columnist out in um, the Seattle Times, uh, Danny Westneat. He's a columnist out there. Let, let me read you some of what he wrote. Uh, it's, he calls it a property bomb when Amazon comes in. Rents have soared. Seattle is now one of the most unequal, unaffordable cities in the nation. It hasn't lifted all boats. It has sanitized the fleet by blowing the blue tarp dinghies clear out to Auburn, which is part of Washington. He's not making an Auburn University joke. We've tried to confront this. We have 58 cranes building housing furiously, by far the most in the nation, and it hasn't dampened the bomb. It might even be further fueling it. In your city, the blast radius will also inexorably consume a string of 100-year-old diners, dive bars, and legendary mom and pops that just couldn't keep up with the boom. In its place come the new and sterile. Our restaurant scene in the Amazon jungle was recently compared to an airport food court. And don't be surprised if you finally if suddenly find your city overwhelmed. Amazon has such a male-dominated workforce. We now have 130 single males for every 100 single females. For a time, it was the programmers, not the few women who had to stand in line to use the company bathrooms. What, what happens here is in this cult of we're going to give taxpayer money for the prestige of having a Fortune 500 company as opposed to investing in our existing businesses is rents go up, small businesses shut down, and people who have long committed themselves to living in certain neighborhoods no longer can afford to. And they all become single, male, white, in skinny jeans and plaid. I, and listen... What else are we getting here with Amazon? With Amazon, we're getting a state Republican leadership committed 
to denying people religious liberty protection. With Amazon, we are getting Republican leaders committed to saying no to your right to adopt. We are getting people over and over again committed to saying that our values have to conform to Hollywood, to the left, to secularists, to atheists. We can't have our Georgia values because we want these out-of-town businesses coming in and we want to give your tax dollars to these companies to sell out your values. We want to subsidize these companies. We don't want them to come in and bring money with them. We want to give them money to come in. It's all for the prestige. Atlanta increasingly looks to be one of those places that serves money above all else. And it's not just serving money, it's a slavish devotion to giving your taxpayer dollars to companies hoping for something that those companies may or may not bring. There's no guarantee that they will. And I don't know that that's sound economic policy. You know, good for Michael Williams running for governor uh, who's speaking out about this. He, he and there's some Democrats out there as well who are speaking out about this, that uh, maybe this isn't the best use of our resources. Um, the ex-Home Depot CEO, Frank Blake, is, is uh, saying Amazon's more the dark star in the retail industry. And the current CEO of Amazon is not thrilled or the current CEO of Home Depot isn't thrilled with the idea of them coming. Michael Williams, here's his quote, uh, questioned the wisdom of sending special tax breaks that he said could far exceed the $5 billion price tag of the project to a large corporation. I agree with him. I think that we should reconsider this rush. It's me too, me too. We want the prestige. We want the prestige. We, we want Amazon. And they say they're looking at jobs. A lot of the jobs are coming with Amazon. They're not going to be new jobs coming. They're going to be existing people moving here, driving up our property values, changing our moral values, lobbying our Republicans to abandon their values. And what do we get out of it? More traffic, higher real estate, the destruction of small businesses, the loss of many local longtime businesses, and not a whole lot else out of the deal. It fundamentally reshapes the character of the area, and it's something we need to be concerned with. Twenty-six after the hour, Eric Erickson here. Remember, text the word beer to three four five three four five. Come hang out with me Thursday night at Monday Night Bruins Garage. Uh, by texting beer to 345-345, I'll get you the RSVP link and you can get directions for their new location, some new beers from them. Uh, you can buy a copy of my book there. I'll sign it for you. should be a great time. Let's go back to the phones, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Nathan calling from Atlanta. Welcome. Uh, Eric, uh, been a listener for a while now and first time calling in, so, so thank you so much. Um, Quick question for you about Amazon. Uh, and I've got a, some feelings about them taking over local businesses and, and changing values. Uh, but as a, a younger demographic, I'm, I'm 31. I worked for a very large company here in Atlanta that's building a new global headquarters. They're trying to attract younger and more tech-savvy employees. Mm -hmm. um, how do you feel about Amazon just, if they were to come into town being a magnet for, for further development and other companies to come in to, 
boost our economy. Well, that is the the thinking from our leaders that it would be a a boost. Um, and, and you know, in Seattle, what they have seen happen in Seattle, since Amazon's there, is probably a great example of this. Where they, although they did already have Microsoft and Redmond, is they've seen smaller companies come in. Uh, but Amazon kind of is the big dog. They're they're not seeing. Other major Fortune 500 companies come to Seattle because of Amazon. If anything, Amazon has made it cost prohibitive for the other Fortune 500 companies to come in. Uh, just to put in perspective for everyone what Amazon is asking for so that you understand that my concerns aren't just concerns of, oh, my God, what, what could they do to our culture? Uh, according to the news reports today, what Amazon is asking for is essentially, well, it's not even essentially, it is equal to six Bank of America plazas. Downtown, the tallest skyscraper on the skyline in Atlanta is the Bank of America Plaza. Amazon wants real estate equivalent to six of those buildings in a single location. That's a pretty big grab of property and influx of people in addition to the traffic and everything else. And listen, God bless whoever does that. But many of those jobs won't be people. It won't be your next door neighbor who's unemployed looking for a job. It'll be somebody from out of state that Amazon moves here. And I just think we got a lot of local businesses that we could be helping. It's 40 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. To the phones, to the phones. We're going to go. Uh, Kathy in Atlanta, you're up next. Welcome. Hi, Hello? Kathy. Hi. Oh, hey. Um, hey, Eric. Um, I was calling to say that, man, I think you were spot on with your analysis of what companies like Amazon would, would do to the Atlanta area, as well as what they've done in other areas. Um, what I was wondering, though, is, I mean, we see that as you talk about gentrification and what the Beltline, how that has driven up costs. Um, I live in Brookhaven, and you wouldn't believe the, the land costs um, here in this city. Um, I was wondering, you know, we give more and more money to, you know, rich corporations, and I'm certainly no socialist, but I'm wondering why don't we give tax breaks to, to you know, companies so that they can build affordable, you know, a portion of what they build, make it for absolutely dedicated, you know, uh, affordable housing instead of, you know, right. building mega malls. Because, I mean, people are getting pushed further and further and further and further out. And quite frankly, you know, we need the diversity of income, not just the diversity of, of you know, people and education, but the, the diversity of income, too, because not everybody is making 200000 a year. Right. It, well, you know... One of the the greatest downsides of bringing in businesses like Amazon and other Fortune 500 companies is uh, we're doing so at the expense of small to mid-sized businesses here in Georgia. You know, we're essentially putting out-of-state businesses at a higher priority than in-state businesses, uh, and it causes all sorts of problems. In addition to we're giving away a bunch of these other businesses tax dollars, to bring in competition that may put them out of business, essentially. That's what it uh, comes down to. 
Uh, and, and you know, you're right. There should be some repriority there. I, I think, listen, I'm not governor of the state. If I were, if I were king for a day, what I would do is say, make the state competitive based on its existing policies. You want to attract businesses like Amazon. Don't go out there and shove taxpayer dollars into their bank account and say, please come here. Make the state competitive. Yes, I am not opposed to figuring out a mass transit system in Atlanta. Dig some tunnels and put some trains down there. Uh, build us a subway system. I, I think we're at the point where uh, those of us who would love to expand the roads need to recognize that when you expand roads now, you're taking people's houses. Uh, but Atlanta still has more traffic to come. So where are we going to put all the people who are moving on the roads? Put them underground. Do that. Um, I think that we need to have a better tax code in Georgia. I think we need a better individual tax system. I think we need a better corporate tax system. I think we need to get rid of the income tax altogether and have a state sales tax. Uh, and I think that we need to, if we are to the extent going to incentivize companies to come into Georgia, we need to remember there are a lot of rural areas of Georgia that are desperately falling by the wayside while everybody focuses on Atlanta. What about some of those counties? What about providing incentives for those counties for attracting businesses to go there and not just distribution centers? That's the thing that drives me crazy in middle Georgia is they're building all these distribution centers, which only attract low wage, low education jobs uh, with, with no higher incomes to actually improve the area. I think we're going about it wrong. Just chasing these Fortune 500 companies, particularly Amazon, which is the biggest of the big companies that we could possibly get. Wanting again, if you haven't heard the metric, they want six Bank of America plazas worth of property in one location. By the way, I have loaded the podcast now. Uh, my interview with John Ryder talking about how the left is trying to take over. Uh, at the state level now by getting the Supreme Court involved. They're not trying to win at the ballot box anymore. They've given up. Uh, they're trying to get courts to draw districts that are essentially proportional. They're, they're taking European election law and trying to apply it to the United States of America. Fascinating conversation I had with John Ryder, who is the head of the Republican National Lawyers Association. He is a uh, adjunct professor at Vanderbilt in election law, and he is deeply involved with and paying attention to the Supreme Court case on redistricting, where the left is trying to get the Supreme Court to say that they have a solution to political gerrymandering, which used to be a political situation, and the Supreme Court used to say they couldn't touch it because it was political. If you want to listen to the podcast, it is a fascinating interview, fascinating conversation, Text the word show to 444-999. And tomorrow I will have some more podcast content for you that it really isn't relevant to the show, but I know many of you want it uh, on the the quest for the historic Jesus. Totally outside of politics, I realize. Um, But I'll be getting that up tomorrow, hopefully. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, I have totally deviated from the show on the Amazon stuff and on your phone calls. Um, One more story before we go to break, though. Jeff Sessions is sending the Department of Justice to Iowa to prosecute a hate crime in the death of a transgender person. That normally wouldn't be news, except the left is shocked and surprised that Jeff Sessions is doing this. They say it's totally out of his character. They they clearly don't know Jeff Sessions. But what also has them upset, and you need to pay attention to this, 
is that they're building an argument that it's inappropriate for Jeff Sessions to do this because Jeff Sessions doesn't recognize transgenderism. Their argument is that in order to have real, authentic justice, you must recognize transgenderism as a real thing. And because Jeff Sessions doesn't, even though he's going, even though he's helping, even though he's applying Department of Justice resources to help, he doesn't believe it, so it doesn't matter. Again, liberal logic makes no sense. It is the logic of an insane asylum. Don't forget, you can text the word beer to 345-345 and come have a beer with me. Get your book signed Thursday night at Monday Night Brewing. Should be a really good time. Uh, you text the word beer to 345-345 and it will uh, send you back an Eventbrite link where you can RSVP. We're just trying to keep track of the numbers uh, and get you the information on the right address because it can be kind of confusing to get there. There is a fascinating article in the Wall Street Journal about China. The Chinese premier is cracking down on the billionaires in China because he does not want uh, he doesn't want China to wind up like Russia either after the collapse of the Soviet Union or with the rise of the Russian oligarchs who bought up all the state-run businesses and became billionaires and are now bullies in politics in Russia. One of the great lines from this uh, article is that there are more people in Berkeley who believe in Marxist-Leninism than there are in China. Think about that for a minute. There are more people in Berkeley who believe in Marxist-Leninism than there are in China who believe it. Pretty telling about what's happened in China over the past number of years, but also pretty telling about what's happened in the United States with the rise of, of secular atheists who are hostile to traditional values, who look on the country with disdain, but at the same time, there are people who are purportedly on the right who hold the country in just as much disdain. Uh, the alt-right guys, the white nationalists, and... More and more, I just increasingly wonder, do I even have a home in politics anymore? I, I, I don't know. It's something to ponder. <laughs>